but we have, as a society, agreed that that's not a good thing. Oh. You know what? This is a bunker, so we have to be uh, very careful. Fire safety. Yeah. Here's what's funny. <clears throat> People don't know, but I, I just I grabbed my bowl and my weed, and I was getting ready to, as Carl was speaking, to smoke some weed. But I hadn't done it yet. It's almost like the... Uh, Fucking fire alarm knew I was going to do it. Yeah. All right. I think Reagan, we're fine now. Reagan certified uh, smoke detector. Is that what it is? Dare to say no to drugs. <laughs> say yes to it drugs. It saw you. Hello, everyone. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of information we need to pass to you. Uh, a lot of uh, good news. We've decamped from uh, our defensive position that we're still holding because, uh, you know, everybody's joining, joining up. But now we're at, a, we're, we're at higher ground. We're about two clicks east, northeast of our original position. But we're on higher ground, uh, so we're watching. We're watching everyone. Our spies are everywhere. We know what Coons and Carper and Przicki, we know what you're doing. Especially Carney. We definitely know what you're doing, and we don't like it. So here we go. This is our idea here. We need help. We need everybody to join up. So, what we're asking for is if you're into it and you like it, kick us five bucks a month. And then once or twice a month, you're going to get special sort of content. Tonight, what we're going to do <coughs> is we're going to talk about Joe Biden. Because the fact of the matter is, we're here in Wilmington We've seen the guy for our whole lives. We've seen a lot of weird shit. And so we're going to do a little a little bonus episode for you. <clears throat> we're going to throw a lot of stuff into it. It'll be fun. But you won't have to pay for it. However, soon we're going to do shit like this. And it's going to be locked up and you're going to you're going to you're going to want to listen to it, but you're not going to be able to unless you're a $5 a month patron. And that's just how it is. So tonight, we're in a, uh, we're still in a bunker, heavy, heavily fortified position. Um, we can see you, we're, we're, we're we have a, a, a very, we're up high, we can, we can lay down different kinds of, uh, of fire, I feel good about it. <clears throat> Carl is on the knobs, he's also on the mic. And we're going to talk about Joseph Biden. Are you ready to do this? Oh, yeah. Here we go. So the way that I kind of decided to talk about this as. So this week, the, this, the stories have come out that we all knew were going to come out. 
guy's kind of like a boomer, boomer creep. Like, look, do I think I know what he was doing? Not really. He's just a dipshit. He's just a boomer dipshit. But the fact of the matter is, society has progressed. He doesn't know what he's doing. And the problem that we're facing is thus. Last year, Susan and I and uh, another couple, I don't remember. I don't, don't remember who it was. We went to Theater N, the uh, art house theater downtown, to see the, the biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, I didn't know whether it was going to be some sort of... I, I, just, I didn't know what to expect. <clears throat> so we get there on a Saturday night, and we see a lot of, uh, a lot of white boomers. It's heavy. It's packed white boomers. <clears throat> we sit down. The film starts. You can kind of tell from the beginning, it's not really a documentary. It's a, a hedgeography, I guess is what you call it, which is fine. I have no problem. I'd like to know... You know, where Ruth Bader Ginsburg grew up and where she lives and what, you know, I want to know all that. It's fine. So about 10 minutes into the picture, uh, they show her uh, testifying in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as, as, as one would do, uh, to try to get on the Supreme Court. They show her making an answer, and then they pan to a C-SPAN, and they show uh, Joe Biden as the chairman of the committee. The 75 people in theater end start to cheer. Applause. There's like applause. <laughs> Joe! Like, he hasn't done anything yet. It wasn't about him. He just happened to be shown as someone who was on this, the, the chairperson of this committee whenever, I don't even remember what year it was. Do you remember what year it was when, when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg came on the court? It would have been in the Okay, yeah, so let's say 95, 96, 97, something like that. So, everybody's cheering. I'm like, well, this is fucking bizarre. So we got like a cult of personality thing. Okay. Now, I, I understood it. I know he's from a, a small area and everybody feels like connected to him. And, you know, I know it's a thing, so fine. But it stuck with me. <clears throat> so today, just today. I went to our friendly neighborhood pub to watch uh, Tottenham Hotspur play Crystal Palace. First match at the big Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Finally finished. Only took two years. That's another whole other story. And somebody... Uh, uh, oh, this is what happened. So NBC is covering it as the, as the uh, teams come out because it's a big deal. It's a big new London stadium. And the Spurs manager, Maurizio Pochettino, comes up. And he's coming out, he's Spanish, and he, he sees someone, uh, I don't know if they're a part of the club or whatever the thing is, and he goes up and he gives them a kiss on both cheeks, and he kind of shakes their hand, and it's just this woman, and everybody's really excited. And somebody says, well, I hope he knows her. And I said, well, when you do that, you can kind of tell that he, that he does. You know, it's not, and the guy says, well, you know, it's not a Joe Biden situation. And I said, Joe Biden creeps up behind people, rubs their hair, kind of does this old school thing where he rubs their rubs his half fucking hard cock up on their back. And so the woman behind me says, I can't believe you 
said that, and I can hear her talking. She's eating her fucking pizza. And I said, uh, excuse me? She's like, well, I know Joe Biden. I said, ma'am, everybody in Delaware knows Joe Biden, and that's the fucking problem. Because he's not a person. He's a, he's a thing people are a fan of. And it became very clear sitting there watching my favorite team play and, play and, and win, and as I cheer them on, I realized that Joe Biden isn't a person. He's somebody that everybody's a fan of. And they're a fan of his for terrible reasons. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We've got to break that. Because this guy, he's been around here, and the things that he's done have not been good. And I know people don't want to hear it because he's a, you know, people are a fan of his as if he were some sort of artist or actor. Uh, they know him, you know, he was with Obama in that show that time. But we gotta, we got to break ourselves of that or we're going to be in huge, huge trouble. <clears throat> and I guess I'll start off like this. About 10 minutes later, I'm watching it, the match, and uh, some, some folks come in. They start watching a Phillies game. It's on at the TV uh, next, to, next to us. There's a group of six or seven people watching a Phillies game. And they're talking and they're having a nice time. And one of the guys says to one of the ladies, oh, well, I don't see you as much now that you're rich. And she said, you know, I'm not rich. I'm less poor. And I looked over and I thought to myself, if, if people could understand that sentiment, we'd be in a lot better place about boomers telling me that they know Joe Biden's a super dude. So anyway, what's your what's your take on the whole situation, my man? It's as if the entire state of Delaware is the Catholic Church. It's it's a fascinating dynamic on a few fronts because I remember last year I was involved in a campaign and I would always try to feel out people's opinions on Joe Biden because I thought that was generally a good way to understand their larger political leanings without asking them specific policy questions about like Medicare for all, because the way that people approach Joe Biden generally says a lot about their politics as a whole. So, for example, if you talk to basically any younger staffer or any younger volunteer and you ask them about Joe Biden, they basically know everything that's been coming out over the last week or so. They've seen the pictures. They're creeped out by it. And while they may like him as a personality, some of them, and a lot of the more establishment types still do, they're rightfully cautious. And I even know some people who are who are very much in the, the center who still, because they're young, are more turned off by Joe Biden. But whenever I would talk to someone, any of the sort of typical indivisible resistance types, you would get nothing but glowing praise. But yet you still push a little bit further and they, they still know what's going on. They just are sort of intentionally blocking it out. And so, you know, you have a whole state which understands sort of what he has been doing for the last 40 years. But since he has like a pretty smile and since he was Obama's BFF, they're sort of willing to look past it. And it's sort of an encapsulation of all the worst parts about the Delaware way. Yeah, it's funny because I, 
people, it's, it's not that people don't know that he did it or don't know that he was like that. It's just that they don't want to believe that the society and the culture has moved on. And even Joe Biden himself did not want to. Now, just today, this is Wednesday evening, the second or third, whatever it is. He finally came out and sort of said there was some sort of message today about like, I didn't, you know, things have moved on and I need to kind of realize that it's not, you know, things aren't the way that I assume that they are. But like, you would think that someone of that stature would know that this is coming and be able to say that a week ago and say like, I Yes, this is how I was, and it was kind of, you know, it's old-fashioned and weird. I want to hug people and goose them and kiss them and smell their hair and stroke their hair and hold kids. And, okay, you're like, all right, you did all of that. But, like, you have to accept the fact that that's fucking weird shit. But nobody wants to accept it. People just want to be like, well, that's just what he did. And it's, 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 and it's just it's this cognitive dissonance, and it's fucking very weird. And also, I think a part of it is that he has been surrounded by yes men since 1972. And I think that frames a lot of how he views politics in general, because, you know, the society as a whole in 1972 was a lot different than society as it is today. Um, and I think I noticed the other day that if you look at how old Joe Biden is, um, he would have been in his 20s around the time that uh, Mad Men was taking place. And that's sort of one of the best pop culture examples lately of um, how just how bad sexism used to be in America. And we forget that the people who would have been in Mad Men, the people who were in their 20s and 30s in the 1960s, these are the 60, 70, and 80-year-olds now who are actually running our institutions. And Joe Biden is sort of the pinnacle of that. We'll start at the beginning, because this is another thing I was thinking, and, and, and you edited the, the episode with, uh, with Jason from Blue, from Blue Delaware. People don't, just put this out of their mind like they don't, they don't really care that when Biden went to the Senate, he said he was conservative. He basically, and if you look, I think it was in the Washington Post or the Washingtonian when he was a first, first a senator, you can look this up. He basically, his quote was, I'm a conservative except for civil rights, something of that nature. And, and really, when I read the whole thing that it was, when I read the context, <clears throat> what, what it seemed to me was it was one of those quotes like, I'm a, I'm a socially liberal fiscal conservative. Like it's a bullshit, like that. Like, the thing that exists. The thing, yeah, right. Which is basically like I'm going to prop up the the oligarchy, but I'll I'll officiate gay weddings. I don't know what fucking good that is. It's no good. I mean, fucking Michael Bloomberg does that, and that's 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 his that's how Biden burst on the scene. <clears throat> then, you know, then he was a supporter of segregation because the people of Delaware, and by people I mean Joe Biden fans. I mean, of course, <clears throat> didn't want busing. They didn't want black kids at their suburban schools. Okay, so he was into that. 
he, you know, the Anita Hill thing doesn't even need to be mentioned. That's known. His connections with the banks here and, and his propping up of the oligarchy, that's known. The repeal of Glass-Steagall, the, the not being able to file bankruptcy in particular situations so that MBNA, who he had family members working at, uh, can benefit from that. He writes the crime bill. He votes for the war in Iraq. I mean, we're really up against and people. Here's the thing that that bothers me. And I'm, I'm interested in your what the like sort of the millennial sort of younger person take on this is like people shit on Bernie because it's a quote unquote cult of personality. <clears throat> I fail to see how people who kiss Biden's ass, I fail to see how that's not a cult of personality. I mean, everybody must see that. It makes no sense to me. Absolutely. I mean, more, yeah, probably more so than any politician at the moment, because I think there are some people who are perhaps overly enthusiastic about various candidates, but Biden is the one where there's no really underlying reason for it because I know that for most people who sort of came of age during the Obama presidency, uh, their two interactions with Joe Biden or, you know, their few interactions with Joe Biden's are going to be stuff like Onion Joe Biden, which is a classic. Um, the That's a that's a real classic. The the Parks and Rec episode where uh, Leslie Note meets Biden and he's sort of like the, the cool old grandpa type. Um, and just general things like uh, Biden coming out on gay marriage before Obama did. And small things like that, when he didn't have any real say over policy, he did a few things that were, like, not horrible. And none of them remember him as a senator. Certainly none of them remember him back in the 90s or late 80s when he was doing a lot of the things that were laying the groundwork for just the complete collapse of the economy in the 2000s. So... Generally, when I, if I'm talking to someone under the age of 30 about politics, I bring up Biden and they say, oh, yes, I love Biden. Biden's cool. I love Bob Biden. And then I usually have a go-to list of three things like um, the crime bill, the bank regulation, and the touchy-feely stuff. And you can turn basically any casual politics viewer against Biden in under five minutes, simply because nobody really knows that much about him. And I think that's what we're starting to see now. Uh, if you look at, for example, polls in Iowa and also national polls over the last three to six months, uh, he goes from being in the mid 40s to the upper 30s and he has fallen down to the low 30s and in many cases, mid 20s. Because basically, there's a certain section of people who are just finding other candidates that they'd like more. But a lot of it is that people are actually starting to hear more about Biden, the politician, and it's not something that they actually like. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's like people are fans of his because they think he meets a certain criterion. Like, we're like, oh, that guy was with Obama and he had memes, and so he'll be popular. 
But I, I don't see how upon like, yeah, I don't see how looking at it, anybody can say that guy's gonna do anything for it. It's just a, it's appeasing. It's basically appeasing the same folks who got us in this situation to begin with. I will say though that that's people, like I said, people sort of on the younger side, because when you talk to people who are sort of above the age of fifty and over, and especially wealthier people, uh. Most of what those people, at least in the Democratic Party, want is the return to normalcy. They basically want it to be 2006 again, which if you talk to anybody who's a millennial or anyone who grew up during the financial crisis, nobody wants that. They want a more aspirational politics. They may like Obama, and a lot of people do like Obama, uh, but they're also attracted to Bernie because he offers a different vision. Um, So for people like that, so the younger people, I believe that and I think you're already starting to see it, that his support is crumbling away fast because it's a completely different generation and a completely different style of politics. But I do think that he's going to maintain a pretty strong base of like older people, and you've already seen it in some of the fights that have been going on over these latest scandals because I sort of had a test where it's, see if you can find anybody under the age of 30 who is not working for the Democratic Party who is actually defending Biden and it's really difficult. But if you've tried to do the same thing with anybody over the age of 50, it's hard to find anyone who's not defending him. So it's really a generational divide, especially in Delaware among more politically Yeah, and, and, and this, this brings up an interesting point. And, and maybe you can, you tell me, because I feel like this sort of tact, and I'm an older, I'm not over 50, but I certainly grew up at a time where things were radically different. We'll say that, right? So my feeling, even about myself, I feel like this sort of applies to myself. Now, I I wasn't the kind of person, like I wasn't, I hated hugging people. I always hated like touching and like I I wasn't into that. So luckily I'm not part, but there were people and it wasn't uh, socially, like it wasn't, nobody thought anything of it. They were like, well, that's, that guy's doing that. But it wasn't, nobody, nobody was, uh, nobody was sympathetic enough to look at somebody and be like, well, if I was that person, that would be very uncomfortable. But even though I wasn't like that, I feel like if you, if you come out and say, you know, I grew up thinking that this was a way to show my care to show I was engaged sort of in a physical way and I never did it it was always sort of like it wasn't ever real really sexual it was just weird like it was just like stroking hair hugging your neck like that kind of stuff so I I appreciate the fact that there was no technically there was no sexual aspect to it it was still fucking creepy as shit But then just admit that, like, the, the, now that we understand that people shouldn't be put in that situation, I realized that what I was doing was kind of shitty and I'm not going to do that anymore. So just say that. Like, why don't people just say that? They really, my issue with this fucking boomer generation, and I don't mean to fucking uh, bring it out writ large, but, like, it's like things progress. And hey, look, I'll, I'll I'll give you some some slack here, and 
you know, things, things have progressed on me. <clears throat> but, like, you can't fucking die on that hill, though, because we're past that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like a lot of people want to die on this hill, like, well, <clears throat> back when he was a kid, this was okay. Well, he wants to be president now, and it's not okay. So either fucking figure out how to deal with that, or get the fuck out of the way. That's what I don't understand, and, and perhaps that is what younger people don't understand, is why aren't people just accepting that societal sort of mores have have moved on and you have to fucking deal with it i don't understand why people just don't fucking deal with it uh yeah i mean i think a part of it is just nostalgia and really just the worst sort of way um because i know i wasn't as shocked by this as i think a lot of people were because i have a lot of family in sort of suburban texas and when you when I was younger and you would get a lot of older members of the family, like especially like men in their 70s, 60s and 70s. And the type of behavior that Biden's been doing is extremely common among those types of people. And I think certain people just see it. And I think it's it's almost sort of people telling on themselves a little bit that they see that as a friendlier time when people could just, you know, be more touchy feely with each other. What they don't realize is that the same symptoms or the same causes that created that also created an insanely sexist atmosphere in general because that was always a power dynamic to it. You don't see older women doing that to younger men. I, I think, yeah, and I think that goes back to what you were saying about like sort of a, a good example of this is the Mad Men thing. Like those guys thought like, oh, we're – we're running this business and we're all having a good time and we're going to do whatever we want. But if you look at it from another perspective, you're like, oof, that's really bad. But for some reason, nobody applies that to like, that's fiction and everybody can see it in a fictional show, yeah. but nobody applies it to like real life. Yeah. I mean, what Biden is doing is not nearly as bad as like what is depicted in Mad Men, to be fair. That's and I don't I, think he's uh, yes. that sexist, but it's clear that like, there's always um, – it's sort of a different type of sexism in that, you know, you have, like, a more type of violent sexism, which is what you hear a lot with uh, violence against women and um, sexual assault. And he's actually – historically, if you look at his voting record, it's not horrible on those things. But there's another type of sexism which sort of is more responsible for a lot of the inequities that we see between the genders in that it's a more paternal sexism, which is – that affects the power dynamic and it sort of says that it still says that men are above women, but in a more friendly way. It's a happy way. It's sort of like the old slave owners thing where like they didn't hate black people, but they thought that black people were lesser. And so it was our job to take care of them. It was the white man's burden. So it's sort of that sort of hierarchy transfer to transfer to gender. So it's not a violent type of um, sexism, but it is like a, it's still sexism and it still causes a lot of problems and it still makes a lot of women extremely uncomfortable as many have said in the last week. Yeah. And, and again, this is something that people, <clears throat> there's a, one of the biggest things politically you got to break through is this idea that 
we're, we're moving on. We're doing, we're, we, we have to move on and do sort of new things. And maybe I'm not uh, articulating this well enough, but people want to, they have this um, sort of continuity with the past and they have to have that. And that there has to be, I think you said nostalgia earlier. Yeah. That's like a, a thing, but <clears throat> there, there's got to be some way that that's, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I feel like the thing that I'm, the thing that I'm always like pressured with is how how can I convince these people? Like, I know that I know that this was cool before, and I know that when you see Joe Biden, you want to applaud and like at a, at a film and like I know that you know him, but like that's not helping us. Like that's not <clears throat> there's no there's no real benefit in that. Like just to make you feel better, we have political sort of goals and things we need to do, and this is actually a, a drag on that. It's not. It's not helping. It's hurting. Yeah, it's weird. There's actually been. I live in the Triangle. Yeah. So it's usually a pretty nice neighborhood, so to speak. It's actually something I didn't realize until recently is that it is quite diverse. Yeah. Um, and actually there's a lot. While I live in one of the larger houses, there are um, a lot of like mixed income housing. There's some townhouses in there. There's some smaller houses. There's actually an apartment building. Uh, but it's always been like pretty crime free and generally pretty low key. Yeah. Until, then a couple weeks ago, um, I was home for the weekend, and we had a massive shooting in front of our house where um, I was actually sitting in the house watching a movie, and you hear this sound outside. It sounds like a firecracker went off next door. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so I figured it was a firecracker because that's usually what it is. Right. Um, and then getting up to go to the bathroom, I look out the window, and I see you know the police lights. I'm like, oh, boy, that's interesting. Um, so it turns out that right across the street from us, someone was sitting in a car and a guy came up with what must have been like a Tommy gun or something. It was really loud and really rapid fire. Just pop, 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 pop. And just went all in. Holy uh, shit. Apparently the guy survived. Um, and I couldn't find anything in the newspaper about it. Holy so shit. So it might have been uh, what I heard was that apparently when it's like both people are juveniles, they tend not to report on it. Okay. So I think that's what happened. And then um, when I came back this past weekend, I heard gunfire. Uh, gunshots and a couple blocks away there was another shooting and apparently over the past two weeks there's been at least two or three different yeah it's back on board i mean what i what i my my recollection of living in the triangle for about a year was that you know across byard boulevard my brother lived over there like you know like 22nd jefferson i guess oh yep yeah. it's a little you know so you're you're kind of right butted up against it so you're going to get a little you're going to get like action mm -hmm. but it's also interesting because i have a theory as to why because we'd li I'd lived there for six or seven years and it had never been like this because like that's not the nicest part of the city and right across the street there but it's yeah. not horrible no there's but, a cool building that I've heard yep. from people that building at the at the end of Byer Boulevard and Concord Avenue. Yep. Oh yes, that's supposed great. to be totally dope. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great building. But um, I've noticed that 
it has sort of corresponded with a lot of the redevelopment that's going on in Center City and sort of in the Trinity vicinity areas, the areas that have historically not been amazing, but are now just like Przecki is trying to make them into sort of gentrification city. And apparently uh. we had talked with the previous owner of the house who had lived there for a while beforehand. And apparently a very similar thing happened back when they were developing the riverfront. So it's sort of one of these, you hear about it a lot when you hear about gentrification and they say, uh, you know, advocates say that like, you know, when you gentrify an area, the poor people just end up moving to another place and the crime just moves to another place. It doesn't make it better. And so that is sort of example A of, you know, there's probably gangs because I know there's at least a couple gangs in Wilmington. They probably have some form of territory in that area. And when you suddenly put 100 police cars on every corner, the dynamics change in ways that you don't necessarily expect. Yeah, again, I, th- I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think the news journals have been very good at sort of at least in broad strokes sort of talking about, yeah, there is there are, there are gangs in Wilmington. You know, all my brothers, touch money. All the, there, are, there are, you know, gangs in Wilmington that are trying to protect either their good name or turf to sell drugs or whatever. But, again, I, I look at that like that's our – I mean – we got to solve that problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's more than just, you know, busting heads and putting people in jail. Yeah. I mean, you can put as many cops on the street as you want. That's not going to solve that problem. You know, all of that's not going to, the thing that solves that problem has nothing to do with economic development. And, um, you know, the thing that has to do with economic development is the people that have money make more money. That's all that is. Yep. And that's not going to solve, you know, the, 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 the touch money or the all my brothers gang is going to do whatever they're going to do, no matter how many cool restaurants you open up on market street or how many fucking, uh, you know, uh, apartments you put on a riverfront or in, you know, how many Starbucks you put in Trinity. That's not going to fucking solve that problem. The type of constituency that is supporting Biden is actually very similar to the constituency that is trying to fix things like poverty and violence with stuff like economic development in that they re- it's there's a baseline recognition of a problem and there is sort of a gesturing at the problem and that we need a solution to the problem but inevitably the solutions that are offered whether it be the crime bill whether it be the bankruptcy bill whether it be repealing Glass-Steagall the solutions are all things that, at the end of the day, gesture towards solutions, but their main purpose and their main outcome is that they solidify privilege and power. Yeah. And that's why he has such support in areas like this, yeah. um, in like northern Newcastle County, where they're the bastions of this privilege and power. Yeah, I mean, if you have to look, if, 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 if somebody tells you that the solution to the problem is expanding the tax base... Like if people are like you, you, you saw somebody in a parked car that was somebody tried to assassinate that person for whatever reason we don't you know we don't know, <clears throat> and you heard it from your home, and if if the solution to that problem is hiring more cops and increasing the tax base, like you you know that the person saying that is a fucking idiot, like you should know like you should understand that th- that doesn't do that, 
But people don't want to understand that because they want to eat at Bardea and they want to go see the Blue Coats and they want to, you know, go to the Queen. Which, again, I want to do all those things too. But I don't want to look like a fucking idiot doing it and pretending like knocking down the old Al's sporting goods and building, you know, a hundred cool apartments is going to solve the problem because it's not. I, I, it's, it's, this is why I'm, this is why I'm fucking recording a podcast from a parapet two clicks from Rockford Tower. You know, <clears throat> the other thing is, I feel very uncomfortable, and, and I guess maybe you can talk me into it or out of it. So I'm challenging, <clears throat> like my big thing now is to like, challenge boomers, like, I feel like maybe as a Gen X person, they'll listen to me. Like I'm not as so far separated from them. So they'll be like, oh yeah, we don't, we actually don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <clears throat> it's a fucking tough nut to crack. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. Like I've tried a lot of different tacks and um, it's not working. These people are, are they're, they're fucking going to kill us. Yeah, well, uh, there's one thing you can say about older, well-off people is that they have a very well-defined sense of class consciousness. They know what's theirs and what they need to protect, and they will not be convinced otherwise. Yeah, and it's funny because it's it's like, um, it's a lot of people, like, here, this is and this is why they use a lot of cudgels, like, you can't say anything about Obama because they loved Obama, or you can't Biden. You can't say anything about Biden because they love Biden, and he's you know, uh, you know, he's the he was the most progressive r- person who's going to run or might run. Oh, and then you have to do this fucking sign of the cross, you know. God. And and I know there's there there have there's been people who have been on the podcast, and there have been, hopefully be people who are going to come on the podcast. Actually, some of them I know already, and some of them might not after I say this. But if you cheered when he said that in Dover. Fucking for shame, for shame. And I, and I hope that you come here and I'll, I will, I mean, I'll say it to your face and you can defend yourself. You have every right to come in here and tell me why you think you should have given him a standing ovation when he said that. At, uh, aren't they going to, um, oh, and at the, at the venue where he said that, I think I found out today they're going to lay off 200 people. Yep, for the merger. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's great. For fucking shame. But anyway, the idea that like you have to, <clears throat> I give an example. I was speaking to someone and we were talking about the, Ven- the, the Venezuela coup that looked like they turned that, Maduro turned right, right around. That worked out pretty well. Bay of Pig style. Fuck, it's right. Bay of Pig style, exactly. It's fucking Carl, Super producer Carl knows what the fuck is up. And, and, and if you want to know why that's, um, <clears throat> important take a look at Elliot Abrams that fucking dirty greasy scumbag fucking felon who we're now putting in charge of another coup take a look at that guy and if you want to support that guy what he's doing and you want to support you know basically people who are just saying we should just you know basically take their resources 
And this is what I was getting at, actually. I was speaking to somebody today who had met a, a very large Venezuelan family in Spain about nine years ago, something like that. And they got into a political conversation, and this family just hated uh, hated Chavez. Hated him. And as they're talking, they're like, well, why did you hate him? He said, well, we had... We, our family had two beautiful homes at the beach and they were confiscated. So my friend said, well, how many, how many homes do you have? I said, well, we have uh, two beautiful apartments in Caracas and then a villa in the mountains and another home and two homes at the, at the beach. And he, he, he took two, they took two homes at the beach. <clears throat> and when the guy told me this, I thought, that's the perfect, I mean, it's so obvious. Like these are the people. I mean, the New York Times just ran that thing yesterday of the daughter of the guy from the IMF who's just trying. They're just trying to take Venezuela's shit. But people just they don't. These are the people we're dealing with. These are the people with second homes and and uh, you know season tickets to everything they want to go to and you know they drink fancy drinks and you know they don't they. There's a reason why the answer to everything is economic growth. Because economic growth benefits some people and doesn't benefit other people. It's it's so fucking obvious. And and the fact that most people aren't going to figure it out is probably going to kill everybody. Well, I think it just... More people need to come to the realization that... Economic development means more capitalism. And inevitably, we're going to run into a situation where capitalism and democracy come into conflict. It already has significantly. Um, and at the end of the day, we're going to have to make some form of decision about which one we want more. And I think, honestly, if you look at the difference between Bernie, who's honestly, if you look in the larger sense, is quite moderate in what he wants to do with this country. Um so you look at Bernie and you look at Biden, and those are sort of your two options going forward. Are we going to make the changes that we need to actually better people's lives, to build a movement that is going to restore some form of, I guess, community to America? Or are we going to continue down the same path that has screwed us time and time again, that has left an entire generation worse off than their parents and is going to continue to do so leading us to, you know, ecological catastrophe. Um, yeah, what is, like, what is Biden's climate plan? Paris Agreement, probably. To this gesturing to solutions, but not actual solutions. Which path are we going to take? And I think the way you see people vote this time around is their answer to that. Yeah, and I think it comes down just to that. It's like um, people are afraid to, to take a stand. Because they'll say, well, if we take a stand, we don't get anything. So the, it's like, it's that old, it's like a cliche, right? It's like socialism, barbarism. Yep. Like you can't, there's no middle ground. What, and and it, and it, it, and it should be very obvious considering the history that we discussed about Biden. Or what Clinton has done or what, what neoliberalism means now or anything we've talked about on this podcast for 10 fucking episodes. It should be very clear that 
the alternative to whatever you hate about Trump or whatever you hate about Republicans or reactionary ghouls or Nazis or whatever, whatever you hate about those people, the solution isn't nothing. It's the opposite of that. Let's fight. Let's try to, what did you say? You just use community. Yeah. Like it, we could try to be a community and a society that recognizes everybody, every human being, or not. There's no middle, there's no like, there's no pragmatic approach to that. You either do it or you don't. And I'll tell you what, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know whether this is taking a big risk doing the fucking shit I'm doing or not, but I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to do I'm 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 going to do uh the opposite. That's what I'm going to do. Because I don't I don't see how I don't see how as a community, as a as a society, as a bunch of people we can continue with just like saying only a certain people deserve it in these certain borders under this certain circumstance. Like that's not that's not going to you know, that's not a sustainable, that's unsustainable. You know, we can, we can only, you can only fight it off for so long. So. Yeah, we only have a certain amount of time left to make this decision. And if we don't make the right decision, if we choose the Joe Biden of the world to lead us forward, then in 50 years, we're going to be kicking ourselves if there's any of us left to kick. Yeah. Or if, I mean, even even if there's, my fear actually is, even if there's some of us less left to kick, uh, we're not going to be able to spend our time kicking. We're going to have to be, we're going to have to spend our time finding water, uh, finding food, uh, killing things that want to kill us. You know, it, it's not, you know, and, it, and it's not even, uh, you know, I'm not an alarmist person necessarily. But it's not on, on, you know, I've, you know, if you've been to other places in the world where political, you know, structures have sort of broken down or they never really got stood up, say, a lot of the places that have colonial, you know, the places that were colonies and, and just never, you know, they just had the boot on their neck. They don't work. <clears throat> and so we're not that far from that. And so we can all work together or, you know, we can try to find another way that doesn't, you know, upset your delicate sensibilities. Yep. Well, everyone, this is what uh, bonus material could be like. I'm giving this away for free because I'm a giver. I'm a, I mean, we're trying. Carl's trying. Margaret is a... She's actually in Europe right now, sort of studying. Um, she's trying to think of ways to convince some of you that we need to jump on board for the big win. But anyhow, consider patronage. Five bucks a month, you'll get fancy stuff. We're actually going to uh, think about doing some video here in the bunker. Maybe get a photo. Uh, there is... Uh, there's some stuff in here that could make people very uncomfortable.
looking at it right now. Yeah, that's right. There's going to be other stuff in here, too. This is, uh, you know, you, you can get on board for the big win, or you could, uh, you could give Joe Biden a standing ovation. That's your choices, I guess. All right, everyone, we got a lot of stuff lined up for you. It's going to be nice. We got some people coming in this week and next week. We're going to get back to the regular scheduled programming, but for now, left is best.